it. So Jesus, thank you um, for how you've already met with us. Uh, Lord, this morning is an exciting morning as we uh, get to uh, be part of the baptism of Brett Schaefer. Yeah, Jesus, thank you. That's awesome. Um, we, we celebrate your faithfulness to him. And uh, Lord, before we get there, um, we're going to take a look at, at the words you spoke um, about this better way to live uh, that you came to, to show us and to teach us all about. And so uh, we just give our time to you. Holy Spirit, uh, move aside our distraction. May we, may we have come and listen with undivided hearts. Here it is that the Spirit has to say to the church this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting this new series called The Way of Salvation, and um, we're coming off of a series we just uh, were going through, and, and, and this theme just kept coming up, this, there's this way, Jesus is teaching us this way, there's this different way of living um, that he came to show us. And this morning, we're going to jump right in and uh, look together at Jesus' teaching on what it means to walk in the way of salvation. Now, before we get there, uh, a couple of things we, we need to understand. Uh, the first is this term, the way, uh, is not just directional, it is actually identificational. Long before followers of Jesus were called Christians, um, which, by the way, Christian originally was a very derogatory term. Um, it was something that they had taken on the Roman Empire, and they said, oh, look at the little Christs. Look at them. They're these little imitators of Jesus. And, and they use it as a way to, to mock. Um, so long before that, and, and the slide is there, it says, before the term Christian was first given to the followers of Jesus in Antioch, they were called followers of the way. And when those outside of the faith saw this group of ordinary men and women whose lives had been changed by Jesus, what they discovered was a new way of living. Now, to get to this new way of living, and before we even get there, I think we have to go all the way back to the beginning to set the stage for where we want to go today. See, back in the very beginning, after God had created uh, man, and he looked and saw that he was alone and said, it's not good that he's alone, um, and he creates uh, a partner for him. The three of them walk in perfect union together with God until mankind makes the decision to choose to be separated from God by choosing to love themselves more than they love him. Choosing to listen to what the biblical account says is a serpent who says this is a better way. And they say, I think you're right. And they choose out of the way that God had showed them. And then throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, it's just story after story after story of, of the heart of God longing for his people to love him and to love him alone. Because he just wanted them back so badly. And so after dozens of generations... Jesus comes, and he comes to win us back by living this perfect, sacrificial life. And through it, he shows the heart of God was, was never to condemn us, was never to chastise us, was never to, to beat us back into relationship with him. It was to offer us forgiveness 
and healing and restoration and a life of freedom. But we get it only if we say yes to him. If we give our love to him alone. So in fact, Jesus so madly loves us that he willingly laid down his life for us so that we could be presented as perfect and blameless before God. Isn't that a cool idea? No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, through Jesus, you could be presented before the Father as perfect and blameless. Not by anything we do, not by our works, just by the fact that he madly loved us so much he gave his life. And as a result, we can walk together with God again in perfect union, in this new covenant Jesus sets in his blood that we'll remember uh, when we come to the table a little bit later today. And so in John chapter 14, and this is where we're going to be hanging out today, so if you have a Bible, you can open up to John 14. I'm not going to read it today. I encourage you to go back, look at it. John 14, uh, verse 1 to 14 is where we're hanging out. Um, But Jesus is gathered with his disciples. It's the night before he's crucified. They're sitting there eating a Passover meal together. Jesus had just predicted his death. He had just uh, predicted his betrayal by Judas, that Peter would deny him. He had washed the disciples' feet. It had already been uh, kind of an overwhelming experience for the disciples. And then he tells them, oh, and by the way, I'm going away. He said, where are you going to go? Where where are you going to go? Can we go with you? What's, uh, what do we do now? How do we get, Jesus, to where you're going? And John 14, 6 and 7 says, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. and You do see him. And so this morning, we're going to focus on these three phrases of Jesus in his response to his disciples. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So when Jesus tells them, I am the way, he's going back to some teaching that he had already given them in John chapter 10, where um, he talks about himself being the good shepherd. And so he's gathered with a group of disciples people and a group of teachers of the law and, and some folks that they called Pharisees who, were, who uh, were questioning Jesus and whether or not he was who he said he was, that he was the sent Messiah, the one who came to save God's people. And, and, and as they're, they're asking him these questions, he responds to them and, and he says these three things. He says, he says, listen, I am the good shepherd, I am the gatekeeper, and I am the gate. And when he tells them, I am the good shepherd, what he's telling them is, I am the one who knows you, who cares for you. I know the way. I know the path you're supposed to be on. I know where the good places are for you to lie down. I know where the water is for when you are dry. And if you are my sheep, you will know my voice. And when you hear me, you'll follow me. He says he is the gatekeeper. He is the protector. He is the one positioned uh, at the gate, at the gateway to the life that was promised. 
says, I am also the gate. I'm the only way in. Some of us, that might be, might be a hard one to wrestle with. But Jesus says, I am the only way in. There's no other way. Our, our, my life can't be sprinkled with just a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of something else. It's all him. He says that I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be, what's the word there? Saved. You will come in and you will go out and you will find pasture. A few years ago, my mom lived in a condo uh, development that had a gated entry. Sounds really fancy. It wasn't that fancy. Um, but uh, when we went to go visit her, uh, there was always a process to get in to actually be able to see her and to enjoy this community that she was a part of. First, she would call down and make sure that our name was on a list with the gatekeeper. So she calls and say, hi, my son's coming to visit with his family, and they're going to be here this day for this amount of time. Uh, make sure they're on the list. On our part, we had to drive up, and it was really important that we said the right name to get through the gate. But it said, like, the president, or I'm, in, I'm here in the name of Marco. Like, none of that would have gotten me through that gate. I had to say the name of the person who had already called ahead and said that I can come through. Jesus is the gatekeeper. He has already put all of our names on a list of salvation. It's good news, right? Your name's on the list. You made it. These names are written in his blood. And his work that was accomplished on the cross when he died, um, made, he died on this cross to, to make things right with God on our behalf, going back to that, that story in the beginning, that, that even though we chose to go our own way, he provided a way to get back to right relationship with the Father. And your name is on that list every name of every person that exists on this planet right now is on that list of salvation. But it matters whose name you say when you get to the gate. In the name of Jesus allows us to enter in. Jesus then says, I am the truth. Uh, we use a Greek word there, aletheia. Can you say aletheia? Congratulations, you're all Greek scholars. Uh, this word means unconcealedness, disclosure, the full truth. Jesus is saying, I, I am the full, fully undisclosed, perfect image of the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. That, that Jesus is God, made both audible and visible. That means all of the miracles and the compassion and the love and the forgiveness and the wisdom of, were the perfect manifestation of the heart of God for his people. And finally, he says, I am the life. That Jesus offered his death 
an exchange, a life for a life. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen the latest Marvel movie installment, um, The Infinity Wars. But one of the things that I remember one of the characters, Captain America, would always say was, we don't exchange a life for a life. I was like, oh, but Jesus does. I was like, in foreshadow, I think in the next movie it happens. But... Um, He said, listen, I, I will gladly lay down my life to give you life. Life is worth mine. Scripture tells us he gave his life as a ransom for many. That eternal life and life to the full can only be found in him. I know it's a very quick summary of these three statements, but let me tell you why, why this means so much. Because when I was a 16-year-old kid and I was, I was alone and I was depressed and I, I didn't know where else to go and, and I, I had no background of faith and I had no hope for a future, um, it was this realization that Jesus provided a way for me that was better than the way that I was currently living because I could not go on another day living the way I was living. So say, okay, Jesus, yes, my, my life is yours. Your way is better. You are the only way to the Father. And so I, I walk through this gate of salvation that you flung open for me. The man who was speaking the day that, I, I, that clicked for me used a, a very classic piece of scripture John 3.16 and 17. If you've been to a football game, you've seen John 3.16. Whenever someone's like kicking a field goal, there it goes up, right? Um, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, have ever, will have everlasting life. Great, that's awesome, okay. But what follows in 17 is probably my favorite thought in the entirety of Scripture, that he did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. Yes, he came, he died for our sins, but he didn't come to condemn us, to save us. He didn't come to make us behave better. Just make us his. So to walk in this way of salvation, it's as easy as ABC. ABC. Um, and, and this, is, this is the way I learned it. And you know what? I feel like this still works. And it feels too simple. So it feels like I need to work for this more. But this is all we do. We admit we've chosen our way and not the way of Jesus. If you walk with Jesus now, you, you, you probably have a moment in mind where you did that, right? There was a day. Mine was March 21st, 1992. I can tell you the day. Been over a quarter of a century. That day I said, Jesus, I, I'm walking my way and it's not working and I, I'm choosing your way. Um, but I think there are days along the way where we have to stop and go, I'm choosing my way again. And I'm coming back into alignment with, with the life, the way of salvation that you've, you've provided for me. That we believe that he is the way of salvation. We confess with our mouth that he is Lord. Now, 
I want to talk about this admitting uh, we've chosen our own way a little bit. We call that sin. Sin is choosing our way and not God's way. We, we do a grave injustice to folks when we just make sin about our behaviors. When we make sin about the stuff that we do. Because you know what happens when we make sin about the stuff that we do? We heap condemnation because, because condemnation always follows action. When, when a country somewhere in the world does something really nuts, right, what happens? There's a UN resolution that passes, and what do they do? They condemn the action. But it never really actually solves anything, doesn't fix anything. See, Jesus did not come to condemn us to save us. He showed us this perfect love that motivated the heart of the Father to, to send Jesus in the first place. Because while condemnation covers our actions, love covers our hearts. And it just comes down to it's a heart condition. Every once in a while, we, we need a heart checkup. Say, Jesus, does my heart, is my heart in alignment with yours? Do I still believe you are who you say you are. And in all the patience and the love and the mercy of Jesus, he stands there, arms wide open, and continually welcomes us in. So half a century has passed since that day I said yes to following Jesus' way of salvation. One of those folks um, that I had ran into uh, that I have not actually seen in 20 years said, hey, what are you doing now? I said, oh, I've been pastoring a redevelopment of a church for the last eight years. And she went, you're a pastor? Because she remembered like hyper, could not get my stuff together, 18 to 22-year-old Tim. And I told her about what we were doing. She goes, oh, that makes a lot of sense for you. I could see you doing that. See, because somewhere, no matter how long we've been walking with Jesus, there, there's things he begins as we walk in his way, in this way of salvation. Uh, there are these, these things that we connect to, heart to heart, where we can look at one another and go, oh, you belong to him. You belong to him. You're his. And we can see through the facade, we can see through the pain, all the history. See with the eyes of Jesus for, for the people around us. Keep calling them back to him. Now, this, this uh, woman now, who is a young girl, she, she was a very influential spiritual leader on campus at the time back in the day. So to have her say those words made me go, oh, good. I wasn't just a knucklehead. Because when those moments came and it was time to respond to what God was doing in my heart, I responded with everything I had. That's all he asks of us. Moments come. It's time to respond to him. Whether it be the first time 
that we do it, where we say, yes, Jesus, we're gonna, I'm going to follow your way of salvation, where it be those days where we come back into alignment with him, where it be those days that, that we're making a huge decision and catapulting into a new season, whatever it is. And so today, as, as we move to this baptismal um, that is as cold as it looks, um, it's okay. Andrew, Andrew told me this week that uh, we we're, Pastor Andrew, we were in the office back there, and he said, oh, I was reading the Didache. If you know what Didache is, it's this uh, second century, about second century, um, early second century uh, document that outlines kind of the early practices of the church. Um, and when it came to talk about baptism, uh, it actually says in there that the water should be cold. Um, so we're just doing this authentic today. Um, <laughs> um, but as, as we, we move here, you know, we're, we're told in Scripture there are two ordinances. One is communion, the other is baptism. These are things that every believer ought to, ought to follow in. And that, that the call is to repent, to, to, to see that, that, that I'm following my way and to turn away from that to the way of Jesus, to confess my sin, right? To confess my propensity to, to love myself more than I love God. And then to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord and he is changing me by being baptized. And when we are baptized, it's the perfect representation of standing dead in our sin, of going under the water and being buried with him in his death, but rising again to new life. We come up out of the water. And so we're going to do that in just, just a moment. Before we do, I'm going to invite everyone to stand with me. Um, we're about to go into communion. Danielle will come up in just a moment. But I want to pray a prayer together. Um, it's a prayer of, of following the way of salvation. And, and hey, you know, you may have prayed something, some kind of prayer a long time ago. We know that salvation is a little more complicated than, than sometimes just the moment. But there is a moment. And so today we're, we're going to grab hold of the moment. Um, that he has, and, and uh, whether you've, you've, you've already entered in through this gate of salvation or, or today is the first time that you do, and, and if that is true, please, please write that on that card, hand it into the welcome table, because we'd love to have a follow-up conversation with you. Um, uh, we're going to read this out together today, okay? So we're all on the same page. Uh, part of it is, is a prayer, part of it is going to be a declaration together. All right, so let's, let's read this together. Jesus, I admit that I have chosen my way and not yours. Today, I commit to follow your way. I believe that you are the only way of salvation, and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Today, I declare you are the good shepherd who cares for my soul and knows the path of life. You are the gatekeeper. My name is on your list, written in your blood, and I freely choose to enter into the community with you, the Father and the Holy Spirit. You are the gate. I enter into new life through you and your work on the cross. 
I believe that your way of salvation is the best way to live. Amen.